Good evening and welcome to this episode 44 of our South African Equestrian Federation podcast from the horse's mouth. My name is Georgie Robertson. I'm going to be your host tonight while we discuss how you can train your brain. We focus so much on our horses and our equestrian dance partners that tonight is a very welcomed foray into what it takes for equestrians to look after their own mental health and indeed mental stability, which is perhaps um, an oxymoron in the equestrian community, <laughs> Natalie. But very pleased to welcome our guest tonight, who is Natalie Faree, who is our neurofeedback expert for tonight. And I have to run through this. BA Honours in Psychology, majoring in Cognitive Neuroscience and Sports Psychology, currently completing two Masters, a Masters in Neuropsychology, and a Research Masters with a thesis, The Effects of Neurofeedback on the Cognitive Rehabilitation of Equestrians Following Concussion in Horse Riding. Is that correct, Yes. Yes. Well, that's very impressive. Thank you so much for joining us tonight while we're going to be discussing neuroplasticity and how we can mold our brains to be better Wonderful. for us. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So mm -hmm. Nat, tell us a little bit about what neurofeedback is. Great. So exactly as you mentioned, Georgie, um, we take advantage of the brain's ability to mold and adapt in response to its environment, which is known as neuroplasticity. So it works on two premises. We're looking at conditioning and using operant conditioning, which is the psychological principle behind it. And as we said, neuroplasticity, which is the brain's ability to adapt to any change that it gets. So how neurofeedback works is a person will come in and they'll have their assessment done. And then they come for a series of sessions. And in their sessions, they will receive feedback, literally, on how well their brain is doing over that session. So what we're doing is we're regulating brainwaves and restoring smooth brainwave oscillation patterns for them. So it's relatively easy for the person. Um, they come in and they sit down and they watch a movie. And there are various other things that we can do as well. So you can get the person to actually do stuff if you need them to. Um, and does that affect the different pathways of the brain? Yeah. Like what, what people do? Okay. Absolutely. So, but what we're looking for um, is we want them to have some kind of feedback. So the general thing is that you would watch a movie of your choice. Or let me say a movie that I have on. <laughs> so, so, yeah. You can't just go in and choose. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, and then so you watch a, a movie and, and you receive feedback through that. So your brain, you are receiving real-time feedback of how your brain is behaving and responding, um, depending on whatever area we're working on in the brain, which is fantastic. Then at the end, so what will happen is as they're watching, the screen shrinks, it goes in and out, and the sound also modulates, goes up and down. Um, and also the screen shrinks and goes small and gray and white. And there's also other protocols where there's a sound that's played in the background as a reward stimulus to the brain. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and there's a sleeping protocol and, and stuff as well. So there, there are various protocols that we design. So your, your brain responds to the inputs, yes. which you then monitor and... Exactly. So, okay. so just like um, you walked in here and you sat down on the chair, you didn't have to look and see. Your brain figured out, you didn't have to look and see the height of the chair. So your brain figured all of that out for you very, very quickly. And it allowed you to move effortlessly through your environment. So in neurofeedback, what we're doing is allowing the person to see and understand their own brainwave patterns and be restoring, as we said, beautiful, calm, smooth oscillation. And when we do that, the cognitive and emotional and psychological things that they are perhaps experiencing diminish or disappear completely. So, that's incredible. Yeah, so that's yeah. the premise. So what we are actually doing is training the brain. Okay. And training the brain, just like what we do with our horses. Mm. In fact, somebody said to me the other day, this is a bit like clicker training. <laughs> so, I was just going to say, when you said when you said a reward stimulus, yeah. there's that great episode of yeah. Big Bang Theory where he, he click, every time Penny lowers her voice, she gets a chocolate. Yeah. 
So as you were saying that, I was like, that would work for me. That's great. <laughs> Damn, you know? I'm going to have to buy chocolate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but what really happens mm. is, um, is the person becomes aware of okay. what's going on and what's going on in their own emotional state. And in writing, that's, that's really key. It's really pivotal for us mm. to be able to understand a whole mood of things at the same time. But one in particular is my emotional response and my adaptation to that. Mm. So it's not that I'm not going to be stimulated ever again in my life. I will be. Um, but it's how I recover okay. and how quickly and effectively I work through that, the, the yeah. negative stimulus or the fright that I get or whatever it is. So it's it's giving people a better pathway to dealing with triggers, absolutely. traumas. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. So instead absolutely. of having a reaction, you can have a response. You can yep. have a, okay. Absolutely. And and in that, um, so that's what we always say, you know, it's, mm. it's really good if we have a calm brain, we have a much more efficient yes. brain. So then I have so many more tools that are, that are there. But mm. when I'm really nervous or I've got a big fright, it's difficult for me to access them at that mm. time. So it's not that they're not there. It's they're there, um, but it's usually my fright response. Mm. And of course, then I've got adrenaline and, and ephedrine and all these things flirting around in me as well. So what neurofeedback does is it helps the person, um, as we said, have beautiful, smooth, calm brainwave oscillation patterns. And when they do that, they literally respond in a better way. It's almost like turning off that white noise in your brain, I suppose, and giving you a, a chance to focus and focus, yeah, have a better absolutely. response. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. So what are some of the, the common challenges that equestrians come to you with? I know you deal with all kinds of issues. Yeah. You deal with mental health issues, addiction, trauma, yes. which I think often go hand in hand with equestrians. And I'm, I'm not actually being funny. It's, it is. We're in this very weird space. And I think it's because horses are so healing for so absolutely. many of us. But specifically for equestrians, what is, yeah. what is the benefit? What so, does this offer? Okay, so um, a lot of people come um, just because they've obviously heard about it and they, they want to improve their riding. So they're either at the top of their game and they want to keep at that level and just continue their performance in a different way. Um, but a lot of people on the flip side of that come because they've had a fall or they've had a fright and the fear is just uncontrollable. So before, you know, they might have been really good or they might have been achieving on, you know, whatever levels or whatever platforms and they have this accident or just a fear response to a spook. And it's debilitating and, and they regress and they, they can't do what they really wanted to do. They don't enjoy being around the horse anymore and the stress levels just go higher and higher and higher. And it, it eventually starts affecting the individual on literally on their own identity basis. They're thinking, well, you so know, I've identified amazing. myself as a rider and now I can't ride. And so, I've got this passion that I love yeah, that I can't that, enjoy. Yeah, and now I'm not good enough. So, so a lot of people have that. It's, I would say it's fear and anxiety and anxiety and show performance is massive. Um, and, and a lot of this questioning, you know, like I see everybody else doing it, but I, I just don't seem to be able mm. to get there. So, so that one whole of, negative cycle in our absolutely, heads. Absolutely. That mm. negative self-talk is, is, mm. is really, uh, I think, alive and well. It, it, it's alive and well in all of us for a good mm. reason so that, you know, we don't do stupid things. But when something has happened, we, we, are, we mm. ruminate on it, we, we fixate on it, and, and that unfortunately just makes the whole thing worse and worse. So a lot of people have tried lots of other things and, and just keep getting stuck, you know, keep getting stuck in the same mm. thought pattern. So what neurofeedback does is it helps them, first of all, recognize their own control and their own ability to regulate their own brainwaves and their own emotional responses. And I think that's the power. It's so empowering. It's so wonderful yeah. to go, you know, you can either feel overwhelmed by that, like, yes, I have the power to control this. That's terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah, can, it is. It's wonderful. Absolutely. Um, and this happens in a way that you don't have to think about it, which I think is key. So it happens once we are calmer and our brains are performing better and there's a little bit of smoother oscillation everywhere. It's easier for us to, mm -hmm. to do these things that previously were 
which is really difficult for us to do. So you have the ability to focus better. So what we're so doing is help high performance riders as well, not just absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So in fact, that's why a lot of competitive riders come is because they mm. want to, as we said, stay on the, the top of the game. Um, but neurofeedback improves cognitive performance and it improves it in many different ways. Um, but but what we want to do is make sure in the split second it takes a lot of concentration to ride and to jump and to do and you know mm. even if we're just trotting you know it <laughs> takes trying to stay upright yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> it takes a lot of concentration um, and that alone chews up quite a lot of brain energy okay. so so what we want to do is help speed up that processing for the individual so that they, yeah so they can concentrate at higher levels and for longer and they can focus on what they need to do rather than focusing on you know the fifty million people in the crowd. That's brain well, I fitness. wish I had 50 million That's people yeah. watching me. <laughs> Actually, no. Yeah, I take it back. That sounds awful. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's literal. We talk about mental fitness. Yeah. It's, it's mental fitness. Absolutely. It's actually getting the pathways in your brain to operate more effectively and efficiently. Exactly. So, so really, um, and how we often explain to children is it's training the brain's mm. ability to, to perform a little mm. bit better. Um, and then conditioning that. Mm. So, so literally, if I didn't know that something was wrong, um, now that I do, and that it's easier for me to access higher levels of mm. thinking and okay. higher levels of concentration, that's what really mm. helps. So, you you coined the term early on neuroplasticity uh -huh. of the brain. Yeah. And like we've all been told for so much of our life, we only use ten percent of our brain, and if you lose a brain cell, that's it; it's gone forever. Say goodbye. It's, you know, we seem to think as adults, I think like, well, this is it. Like, yeah. I've got COVID one is stuck with me forever. This is today is as good as it gets for the rest of my life. Yeah. But you're saying no. You're saying that that the brain actually is quite vulnerable. Yeah. And it, and it has the ability to change um, throughout our lives, which it does all the time. It's interesting though, Georgie, because once I've learned something, I can't unlearn it. And, and often if you ask really talented people and you say to them, you know, how or why are you so good or how do you know you're so good, it's a difficult thing to describe it. So it, it has this amazing ability to once you know how to do something and once you've learned how to do it, you don't have to consciously rethink about that step, but like driving, for instance, or once you know how to do it, you know how to do it. And then if you're patient on it or not, it's almost like you get confused because you think, well, I don't know how to do it, I just know how to drive. And this is, like, this is the process that we're looking at as well. What do I do is we say it will help the person understand that their own emotional regulation can be triggered and trained in the brain rather than them just trying to get on and be responsible. <laughs> like if you have to have a conscious thought about something. So I love your example of driving because there's a meme that's going around at the moment that says, Remember when you first learned how to drive and you were terrified of everything and you were driving like 20 with your face pressed and now here you are going down the freeway with like the steering wheel between your knees doing your hair and eating a taco, you know. But it is, it's become just like this efficient, you know, pathway in our brain that you don't have to necessarily be physically fit for, though please God, your eyes, your knees. But I really like this concept that you're going to create healthy habits that become second nature, you know. To someone instead of them having to consciously go, I have to relax, because by the time you have thoughts, I have to relax. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly in the thick of things. Yeah, and, and I'm sure you get it when, when you're coaching people. It's very difficult to, when you can see attention somewhere in their body, it's quite difficult to draw, first of all, draw their awareness there, and then, second of all, make sure that they can actually relax in that area of their body or relax in responsiveness. So, so neurofeedback shortens that process for you as a coach, actually. So it helps the individual hear you at a different level and also be responsive because they feel more confident. So once they're calmer and once they've felt a little better on the horse and they felt like they're achieving a little bit better on the horse, 
sensory nerve mostly as well as every part of the brain and in the sensory nerve to consider parts of the brain yes as the sensory nerve region that we work on also so this this helps with voluntary and involuntary movement uh, but we also work as a single vocabulary in the brain um, but specifically if we're thinking about high performance we want to make sure that we've got good balance there and also in the frontal lobe so that the person can make light manifest decisions when they have to and change the decisions if they need to that's what we know and then you know, if we think about jumping, for instance, if you go over a fence and it's not really good and you're really worried about the next fence, it's how, how quickly you can let go, recalibrate, and move forward without having to, you know, have all that stress of, oh, no, no, I've messed up that. And, you know, so, yeah, so it seems to be that our ability to focus and get our minds into the game um, is exactly why my interview deck is so important in writing because, yes, it's a mental game. Um, and then for a lot of us, it's that, that alone is taxing. So they get real-time feedback with me when the end session mm. in terms of how the screen is moving and changing and the sound that I've, I've mentioned. But then when they come through to you and you see them ride, you give them extra feedback mm. in exactly as it's happened. And that's why it's really important for the person because they well, get you've, a you've momentary. You've unblocked their ears. That's, yeah. You know, and, that's... and then they go, oh, and you know what? My coach said this. And they go, oh, fantastic. Mm. How did you execute it? Mm. And then, and so they have a, they have a much better pathway to doing things that is easier, quicker, um, and fundamentally their, their confidence mm. grows um, as a consequence of it. So what are the different parts of the brain that you, you say, like we target all these different parts of the brain? What yeah. are the different parts of the brain? So so there's lots of yeah, and what they control for us. Okay, so um, if we start at, with the frontal lobe um, and specifically the prefrontal cortex, this controls. It's it's almost like thinking about it as a conductor of the rest of the brain, um, and so so it's really quite. We, we so if I'm making bad decisions, that's that's who's in charge. I'm just checking. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so for riders in particular, we work a lot on that because we have to have really good logic, really good. So. It, when we make a decision, it's not only about the logical route that we mm. need to go. Like, how fast is my horse going? Do I need to bring them back? Do I need to, whatever. Not the logical side of it, but it's also the feeling side of it. You know, like, how worried am I if I do this, if I push my horse forward here, or if I move them? So when we make a decision, it's actually both sides of the prefrontal cortex that's, that's moving. So, so we need to work and harmonize and synchronize, as we said, the whole brain. Um, but specifically, when we talk about executive function, that's the area that we're looking at mostly. Um, and we, what we want to do is elevate a person's ability in that area quickly. Um, it improves concentration, focus, and attention. And all three of those things are, are really critical when we're performing and, and just generally on a horse. Mm. Um, and as, as I'm and sure... High performance horse sport, it's just about like as you're speaking, it must hit every center of the brain. Yeah, so exactly. So there's a lot of neural connections mm. from... And, and so to answer your question a little bit earlier, do we use 1% or 2% or... The brain actually works a lot in synchrony, so, so, and that's important for us to know. 
Um, and so it's not that we can just say, so this part is working. There's a lot of parts that fire together to work together mm. um, simultaneously, all by itself, all unconsciously. And that's the beauty of it. You know, we Amazing. never need to, yeah, we never need to sit there going, oh, I wonder if my parietal lobe has processed it. You know, I we think don't we need to should, exactly, <laughs> and that would maybe be helpful. So, you know, yeah, so we don't need to poke. <laughs> exactly. So, so we don't need to worry about that. This, this is, okay. you know, happens for us in a, in a beautiful way and dynamic flow all, all the way through. Um, what we're trying to do with neurofeedback is not teach people about their brain necessarily. Mm. We're teaching them about specifically brainwave oscillation patterns only. That's what we're focusing on. Um, and how this makes them feel when they are running smoothly and all flowing beautifully. Mm. And that's really important because when they feel it and when they can see improvement, they see improvement in all areas mm. of their life, not only in riding. Um, and that's that's really the writing's a symptom, I'm sure. It just that's where it'll show up the most. Perhaps. It absolutely can. Absolutely, you're right. Um, but I have many executives and I have many people from from all different walks of life. Um, and so usually whatever they come for, whatever their initial um, reason for coming for neurofeedback is, we work on the entire brain um, so that the person feels they, they have improvement in all things. So we discussed the prefrontal cortex yep. and the and frontal lobe. Exactly. Yeah, and, and then we move a little bit further back to the sensory and motor rhythm region. And that's vitally important yes. for us uh, to control voluntary movement. Um, and in riding, what's specifically important is awareness. Awareness of, our, awareness of our own balance, awareness of where we're pulling, where we're holding, or where we're stiff, where we're not stiff. Yeah, and we've all said to our coach at some point, I'm not pulling. Yes. Then you look at the video and you go, oh, it's yeah, irritating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so, or why is my horse responding like this? Well, because you're oh, pulling. And, yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, not. That would be yeah. yeah, you know, so, um, and it's often, it's not because we don't want to. It's literally because we are unaware, you know, mm -hmm. of what's going on or how a tiny minuscule move movements matter. So if we think about dressage, um, and, and this is, you know, a lot of really good dressage riders, um, yourself included, have been really instrumental in saying, no, but it's, it's a tiny movement that, that we're looking to, that, that will make all and the difference. And it does look like nothing's happening, but actually. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, so, so it's really difficult, I think, to, to help somebody feel that if they haven't felt it, first of all, if they're learning and they're on their way mm -hmm. up into higher levels. So what neurofeedback does is create a different awareness and association for them foster. So they can actually feel it. So when the instructors say, you know, move your hand forward, but only a little bit, they can do only a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, so it has, so there's a difference in understanding of the tension, where the tension is in their body, can they release their elbows in accordance, can they follow the horse's movement, so some of these things I think we often take for granted, but tiny movements like moving your seat bone, and how aware I am of moving my mm -hmm. seat bone, how aware I am of what leg is harder, or pushing harder, or not moving, or whatever it is, so that body awareness is, is vitally important, and tiny movements, so we do that a lot. Uh, we work on the temporal lobes a lot because the temporal lobes really they help with sensory integration, memory processing. They do they do quite a lot, which is really cool. Um, but specifically for temporal lobe calming, um, is okay. is very important for us. So we help strengthen the person's ability um, and their corpus callosum literally to to respond better. So better communication between left and right hemisphere, um, and and this really helps the individual gain much more control over or much sorry let me say that differently they they become more confident and calmer so the need to think that if i'm not in control something's going to mm. go wrong that that seems to dissipate very quickly so there's a different awareness that that starts um, creeping in awareness of themselves first mm. of all their balance their ability 
um, if the instructor says something and they try and execute and get really, you know, get the good response, then it seems easier for them to remember that. Yes. And so that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then processing um, in general in the parietal lobe, um, but it does much more than just that, but processing in general, as well as memory, mm-hmm. as well as perception of where we're going. Um, this is also very important, as well as the interhemispheric fissure in the brain, for people to think about themselves and understand themselves in context and not in accordance to... Oh, that's interesting, yeah, Natalie. That's really... Yeah. Or, okay. you know, or whoever. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so, so what we try and do there, it's, it's just like um, integrating or self-integration at a different level for them. Okay. Again, where they don't have to... Yeah, they don't have to feel like they're, they're not good enough or what they're doing isn't, isn't moving them forward in any way. Um, so a lot of people have said that has been a massive benefit for them, that they just felt like they could try, you know, and they felt like... Taking away that fear of failure that I think so many yeah. of us live with, this imposter yeah. syndrome. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, I think in our world, in our community, I think um, a lot of people ride very well from the grandstands. Um, and we all do. Yeah. It's so fun there. There's hardly any horses in the grandstand. It's very safe. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think that impacts, that impacts people, yeah. you know, that impacts mm. their perception of self and mm. their, their perception of how well they, they're going to be able to do mm. in that round. Um, some people listen to it a lot. Some people don't listen to it mm. at all. Um, and, and, then, and they have varying degrees of, you know, effective riding and, and uh, progress mm. in their sport. So. It really is a very um, tailored process to everybody's needs because, as we say, some people are, um, they have very, very oh. different needs regardless of if the main need is similar. So, for instance, if somebody says, I've fallen off my horse and I'm really scared to get back on, that's quite a common thing that people oh. would come for. But their experience of that process is very, very is highly personal and highly individualized. Okay, so it would reflect differently in the brain waves. Yeah, and of course, from no individual two, to individual. Yeah, and, okay, and no two brains are are alike. So okay. it's very. So important. I suppose that's interesting. Sorry, Nat, that somebody's yeah. one person's response could be a more physiological or like a yeah. physical response, whereas somebody else's could be mm. way more emotional. Yeah, okay. exactly, exactly. Um, and then we work on the occipital lobe a lot as well. So this helps with visual processing and vitally important, regardless of your, of, you know, whatever you do, eventing, jumping, dressage. Um, it's very, very important for us to be able to process visual information quickly, um, visual tracking quicker. So it doesn't work to improve, can't improve functional uh, eye or visual. Yeah, yeah. visual. Um, you know, if your eyes are bad, they're bad. But <laughs> I just want to put it out there. But, but <laughs> definitely, so yeah. <laughs> improving your mm-hmm. eyesight. But um, but definitely, what it does is it helps us understand and perceive our environment really quickly. Mm. Um, and so that's important because the, you know, there's always a joke. People say, oh, "I don't even know what my horse spoke to. It must be in that blade of grass right yeah. over there." Or yeah. you know, so um, increasing and enhancing their visual perception um, is and their visual field is really important. Mm. So a lot of people have said, um, specifically in jumping also, that they are bad on one rein. Um, compa- yeah, yeah, turning yeah. into a jump. Makes so sense. landing and turning into a jump seems to be, um, and so we work on that area for and them. Then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, often. for sure. Again. Yeah. Mm. So um, we work on that center and hand-eye coordination. Then they go back to their trainer or they go back into their session when they're riding by themselves even. Um, and there's a test, there's a measure, you know, that they can do. They can mm-hmm. say, oh, well, you know, now I'm getting it right. Now I'm seeing my stride or now I'm going around, you know. So, so always what's important is that we get the person's feedback on how well they're doing and mm-hmm. what they've noticed. So attentional awareness is incredibly important for all learning, mm-hmm. um, but specifically in this case, so that 
people can, yeah, they can understand that they're yeah. progressing and they're moving forward. Now, often, another one I always get, Georgie, is um, people saying, I'm just plateauing. You know, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm just plateauing. Um, and they feel like they're just kind of like yeah. never getting anywhere, yeah. you know, paying a fortune and, and never getting anywhere. Um, and that alone becomes very disheartening. So Absolutely. So, yeah, so that's another thing. Although that, I think we all have to pay our dues a little bit on the plateau yes. before we get ready for another mountain. You have to catch your breath sometimes. <laughs> um, Natalie, you've mentioned brain waves. Mm-hmm. Why don't you explain what you mean by brain waves and what the different brain waves are that you yeah. can identify and pick up and mold? Okay. okay. So, um, so we all have bioelectricity, as you know. Um, and what we're doing when we regulate and see brain waves, literally, is we use an EEG. So it's an electroencephalograph, and it picks up brain waves. So they, they're quite soft and subtle, um, but, but literally they oscillate from the center of our brain and deeper centers, and they come all the way up to the top of the um, neocortex and the cranium and skull. And so we put electrodes onto the skull, and then we can measure and read what the frequencies, it's the like different the frequencies. Storm. That's, yeah, okay. exactly. So... So and like radio waves. So so we're reading the ray of the different array of. Isn't that bands. funny? Our difference. Our, I'm like a lightning storm. You're like no radio waves. Much calmer. I'm like okay, that's okay. that's better. Were you here last night in the storm? Okay, so absolutely. So, yeah. um, so so there's there's varying degrees okay. of these, and so we start with delta. So delta is the slowest brain wave, and it's dominant when we're sleeping. Okay. And so it's very nice and calm. It's usually naught to around four hertz. Um, and so, and that that helps keep us asleep. And so, obviously, we don't want that around and present when around we're riding. Around yes. fifty round. Okay. <laughs> so enough. we have all of the brain waves all of the time in our brain. Mm. It's just the pattern which is important, um, and of course the regulation which is important for us. Um, and then the next brain wave is called theta, um, and it's it's a wonderful brain wave. It's a little bit faster, around four to eight hertz, and and it helps us. It's our first wake stage brain wave. And it really helps us think about things in an imaginative, creative, uh, we used for big picture thinking also. Um, but as you can imagine, if theta is very, very high, it's also not that useful if I'm coming into mm. you know, a one meter 60 fence quickly. So what we want to do is make sure that that's within range of the person's natural flow. So that's okay. one of the things that, that we look at. And as I said, great for for you when you're doing all of your imaginative and creative work, mm. it's fantastic. So you're probably using theta, alpha, and a little bit of beta at the same okay. time to get into that, which is fantastic. So then the next brain wave, which is a little bit faster, is called alpha. And alpha is fantastic. Um, it's uh, when it's in a good, calm flow or good, steady flow within its own range. It allows us to be engaged and focused, but relaxed and engaged and focused, which is really nice. Mm. Um, when it gets too high, we become a little bit disengaged. Um, and then, so that's also not so great. And is that, on a horse. Is that something you would find in like ADD people, for example? Yep, okay. theta and theta and alpha generally. Okay. Um, but but what's important when we think about it from a riding perspective, if alpha is too high, so so very often as I'm interested in something, mm. um, alpha does peak. Okay. But if it goes up too high, I will become a little bit less. Um, I'll become a little bit dis, disassociated. To, disassociated, sorry, to what I'm doing. So overwhelmed so, or um, no? So if you think about us when we're on our phones you know sometimes we get onto our phones because we think well i've had a hard day and i just want a little bit of a relaxation you know i just want to 
stool around mm. in mindfulness <laughs> for a little while, you know, <laughs> mindlessness, sorry. Um, and so we get onto Facebook or whatever, and, and you know, and you know yourself, after minute eight, mm. it's like you're just going yeah. for no, and we can feel They've got it. the algorithm so good. Don't they? Hey? They and just take Exactly. But, but it's interesting because we can feel ourselves going into that kind of zone of, mm. I'm not motivated really so much, mm. I'm feeling bleh, really. Yeah. That's a great term, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. So Very I'm, clinical. Yes. Yeah. So I'm not really um, highly motivated to do anything. I'm not really, I'm just kind oh, of like. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, and that's when it's okay. gone a little bit too okay, high too perhaps. High. And then, um, and then I, I find it harder to get back into a good level of focus okay. um, if, I, if it's an extreme. But, but often when we're in meetings, you experience it as well. When the meeting goes on for too long and you get a little bit this bored. This could have been an email. Yes, yeah. yes, okay. exactly. And then, you know, you're in your head skiing okay. in Switzerland. <laughs> and that's, that's also when your brain's just <laughs> left for Bye. a while yes, and come back. So that's often when, when okay. that's a little high. Um, and then, and as I said, there could be other things going on at that time okay. as well. But I'm just trying to give you classic um, examples, examples of them. Yeah. Um, and then the next is beta. And beta is much faster. So we have several levels of beta, um, but, but this range beta that I'm talking about now um, gets us into a good level of focus. So it's really important for us to have this when we're riding. Um, it's kind of when we get into the zone, we don't worry about anything else. We can be active, we can be engaged, but we're also not fretting. You know? okay. So it's not the high beta where we are having to really worry about things or really. Okay. We do use high beta for all of our problem solving and we use it for many other things as well. But, but when we are in a sticky situation in riding, both the betas generally go up really high really quickly. But it's how quickly they come back down and smooth oscillation happens okay. that's important for us. So it's exactly like our horses when they get a fright and then two minutes later they're standing there and you're thinking, <laughs> no, <laughs> why? Why did this? No, they so, controlled their beta well. Yes. Okay. So, I'm so happy for it them. Could be, yes, yeah. It could be, yes, it could be. So what we really want to think about is um, how do we, first of all, use these things to our benefit? Mm. And when I am concentrating and I am thinking about things, I also then get to know and get to understand my flexible range of where I've had enough actually of concentrating, where I've kind of hit a wall in terms of concentrating. Okay. Um, and for all of us, I mean, there's a set amount of time on it, but but you can train those things as well. So what's really important for children that are studying and varsity students and whatever, um, it's good for them to know and understand a little bit more of how it feels when their brain's getting tired. Okay. Yeah, and also how it feels when they are just getting distracted. So so that's quite useful for people also. That's lovely. Yeah. And then, um, and obviously when they're riding, then I they... do like how kindly you speak. Obviously you love brains, but you speak very kindly about the brain. And something you said earlier on, which I really liked, was you said your, your brain has, like, you, you don't, you can't talk about the brain as being malfunctioning, but it's learned to do things to survive. Yes. And now you're learning how to survive better. Yeah. And you're optimizing that. So you know, the high, mm. high beta might mm. have been helpful in a situation sure. and, and now it needs to learn that it's not in that situation when you're trotting around a circle. Or, exactly, okay. exactly, unless something happens. So, mm. so our limbic system response is vital and, and it's a necessary natural process that will always happen. Mm. Um, and so we definitely are not doing that. We're training rest and recovery. So we're not okay. saying that you will never fall or mm. you will never experience a bad it's round. just to bring or, the yeah. brainwaves back. Exactly. Okay. It's, it's how quickly you can recover. Mm. Um, and what tool you use to use, mm. oh, you choose to use in that time, that's, mm. that's important for people. So you speak about the EEG as identifying these brainwaves and mapping them. Does the EEG then help, like what is, what is now the, the physiological input that helps us to, exactly. to mold our brainwaves? Okay. 
Um, great with question. the neurofeedback. Yeah. yeah. So neurofeedback is essentially a computerized system that that uses the EEG just to measure. Um, and so there are various systems that that are available. Um, and what what's important about it is that the feedback is actually what's doing the training for you. Um, and so and that's the conditioning mm. part. That's the stimulus part. So it's literally like when you want your horse to do something and he does it, we pat him. Then or who? Sorry, but but as soon as they receive, I can the, I know exactly that you have a golding. I can tell. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> so so when they receive mm. that conditioned response and they like it, it's a reward. It's mm. something that they want to move towards. They they're likely to achieve it again. Okay. But but when they do something and we are too harsh on them, so we we negatively um, condition them, so we hit them too hard or whatever. Um, this is often where it becomes very stressful for horses, and then they're unsure what to do, just like with us. We're unsure of what will work. Um, so what a lot of people often say to me is, I didn't understand what my coach was saying, or what they said to me when I was falling off wasn't useful. <laughs> well, you know, so, so. I have a friend whose coach once said, you just have to ride better. <laughs> That's still my favorite. That like if, if you're at a loss, you just need to tell someone you should ride better. Thank you. <laughs> or sit up. That's, that's my personal favorite. As you're flying in the air, just sit up. Or don't okay. fall off. Yes. <laughs> okay. Ejected. Thank you. <laughs> so, so those are the, um, you know, some of the things that people say, I, I just, I really couldn't understand it. So what we, what we want to do is work on their ability to, as we said before, be calm, but also understand things in a way that is computable to them, okay. to the actual individual. Mm. So if I see my horse doing this and I'm really happy with it, what did I do? How did I do that? How did I connect that? And build that pathway. Absolutely. So okay. we're helping them connect the dots quite literally um, and reinforcing it by them getting the feedback and then understanding what it feels like after the feedback, as we've said. So all of a sudden when they get onto their horse and they can perform a little bit better, they go, oh, that's great. Mm. Oh, you know, I wonder what I did there. And their brain's getting the click and the chocolate. That's, you yeah, know, okay. so, and also um, what somebody else said to me, which is really just profound, he said, it, it, it's about my awareness, Nat. Mm. Um, and it, it sounds so obvious, but it really is about, you know, his ability to attune himself into being really, really good, being really set in that time, and everything that he needs to cancel out of his mind mm. at the time. Um, and, and for him, you know, and he was saying it's, it's so interesting because if I'm attentive to what I'm doing, I'm, I'm just much better. So that I kind of tune into myself and my horse in a, to a much higher degree. Somebody else, um, one of our other um, young jumpers, she's brilliant, very, very good, and she was saying to me that um, she got off a horse, and I said, what happened? And she said, I wasn't paying attention to him. And instantly in that moment, you know, she said, well, I knew I, I just wasn't paying enough attention to him. And, and she said she was saying hi to everybody around the arena and whatever. And she fell off. Um, and as you know, a lot of, well, the stats are, a lot of riders fall when they're walking or where they're, you know, on outrides or where they, they're not Looking fully distracted. Yep. And they're not, not present. Yep. Exactly. Right. And then, you know, and that's when a lot of really, really difficult mm. bad accidents happen. Um, or can happen. The other statistic I read is that you're most likely to have a fall for event riders in the last quarter of a wow. third, maybe, of a cross-country track. Wow. And they and I, I immediately went to physical fatigue. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm, I would have to try and find that discussion, but they were going, no, it's yeah, the riders. It's mental fatigue. The riders run mm. out of like they focus on Absolutely. every line for the for three kilometers, exactly. and they just they just sloppy and yeah. you know no exactly. 
Um, so I have many um, other sports people in different other, you know, different um, sports. And what's interesting is, um, is they always talk about this. They talk about the ability to train themselves for the duration of what, what they have to do. Mm. So whether it's um, cycling or golf or, you know, if it's, um, I've had racing car drivers as well. So uh, rally drivers, um, motorbike, motocross. Um, which might, mental stamina yeah. might be the same thing. Like, yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, and but it's always interesting to hear oh. that that part for them they are they're quite they're quite aware of that okay. it's been a process, um, and they have to learn to manage that process as well as they're going. So it seems to. I think it's interesting in other sports where you've got an inanimate object mm. as your as your partner. You often find those sports people taking a little more accountability. Yeah. Whereas you would think with riders, it's a mixed bunch, right? We're mm. either going, we're either blaming the horse, yes, or we're taking, you know, all of this responsibility, yes. But it really is interesting that you yeah. can't expect a flight animal to to be with you a hundred percent if you aren't with yourself a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, and and that you know that alone is difficult. So so we we find that most of us go in and out of it, um, and and I'm, I'm sure your lessons are, are similar. There's a part where you also need to interact with the individuals so that they are calmer, that they're having mm -hmm. fun, that they're really feeling like it's not this treacherous, you know, <laughs> hole for them. Yeah. And then there's a part to get serious, which is cool. But what we're really trying to do is say that when we actually need to perform, how quickly do we get into it? How quickly do we recover from a mistake if it happens? And most importantly, how quickly do we learn so that we take mm -hmm. evidence of our failures and, and use it to push us forward? Um, which is currently, I think, what, what stops a lot of people mm. doing really, really well. Mm. There, there's yeah. an interesting um, thing that says, the, I think you and I have discussed this, the biggest problem in adult learning is going from unconscious incompetence yeah. yes. to conscious incompetence yeah. and going, oh, oh I didn't know I sucked at this, to going, oh, I suck at this. <laughs> you know, and then persevering past that yeah. to be consciously competent mm. at, at mm. something. And I think that's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm interested, I've, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the statistic that the oldest um, athletes at the mm. Olympics are always equestrians. Oh, wow. No, yeah. no, no. So um, wow. I'm trying to think what the last few, uh, it was a Japanese rider, I think at the last Olympics was 72, a dressage rider. There's hope for us all. And, but isn't it incredible? And I think it speaks a lot to the fact that you can keep developing your brain. Yeah. You know, yeah. to help, whereas obviously the physical prowess takes mm. takes the lead in so many other sure. sports. Yes. Whereas here, you can keep being a Nick Skelton and, yes. you know, jumping into your 50s and winning a gold. Yes. If, if you're looking after all of these elements. Absolutely, Georgie. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's difficult. People often think that there's a, you know, one size fits all. Mm. And if I go for three sessions of something, I'm never going to need to again. Mm. Um, but as an athlete, if you see yourself as an athlete and you choose to, be in that sphere, there's a lot of things mm. that you need to do. Um, personally, you need to get extra outside assistance of whatever mm. it is that you need at that time. Um, mm. But certainly mental and physical fit fitness mm. is yeah, vitally mm. important for you. Yeah, we prioritized, I think, the physical element of riders a lot over the last few years. And I think now it's really great mm. that the mental fitness mm. and stamina and wellness yeah. is, is coming to the forefront of things. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And I think um, people are starting to realize that, um, that there are things that they can do. So, mm -hmm. you know, when they've had things that haven't gone well for them and they've um, really regressed in terms of their own performance or mm -hmm. just their own personal satisfaction in writing, mm -hmm. there is, um, yeah, there's help. There's things that you can do that, that will move you forward quickly. 
I know that personal achievements are different for everyone, and mm. sometimes someone's personal achievement can be getting onto a horse after yes. a terrible. But what are some of the the big success stories that you've had, Nat? Yeah, I, honestly, I think one of those getting back on is mm. is huge um, for most people. Um, but we've seen a lot of people go from really not being able to do well, um, having previously done very well, and so a lot of them come in and say, "I've just lost my big match temperament. I don't know why." can't get it back and then all of a sudden you know a couple of months later they're there and they're achieving which is really great mm -hmm. and it's not that they win all the time that's not the not the ultimate goal it's just they stay cool under pressure i suppose yeah and and their own reflection on on how well they're doing and what they've where they've come from is amazing um as you know i work with niall quirk a, a lot um and him and i see it in the most incredible and most profound ways to see somebody with the, got this grin on mm. their face from, you know, yeah. um, previously not being able to do something, then they get it right and we go, oh, there you go. Um, yeah. And then he will often say to me, Nats, can we work on this, please? Um, I've, I've seen this, she's really understanding me well, or he's really moving in that way well, which is really fantastic. But I really think if we can just help them and then, so that mm. information is vital for me. So when they come back for their neurofeedback session, we do that and we do that. Um, obviously with a lot of coaches um, like you and everybody as well. Um, I, that's one of the fundamental mm. things that we do. So the coach will give me information, um, and it's obviously not personal information, it's about the riding and what they want mm. um, or what they can see perhaps the person is not doing well in. Um, and then we work on that area of the brain, and then they go back and they have a lesson, and it's, it's usually marked and measurably improved. That's um, so great. So yeah. So um, so I think um, the biggest things are people achieving internationally, where they, you know, it it wasn't something that they were mm. going to do before, and um, people getting onto teams where it was. A, you and know, the a team adds a different dynamic of pressure. It's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Mm. I just want the badge. I'm <laughs> sure so. someone will give you oh, one. Okay, thank just you. ask them. Okay. Yeah. So so. Sure. But um, but it's that it's the performance and and how they start moving themselves up. And generally, Georgie, what's really important for me always is it's so gratifying to see it's not in one area of their life. So even though, as we mm. said earlier, that they come for riding or whatever. They generally start excelling in many other areas. Mm. Um, so I've had people move, change jobs, change careers, change, just, you know, have fundamentally change in a lot of their outlooks in life and, and opportunities and things change for them. And mm. they become tremendously successful um, in, in what they do and what they love to do. Mm. Um, so that's been very, very rewarding. I think a lot of the personal um, journeys of how you see people move and grow mm. Um, and you know that you were just even such a tiny little glimmer of that, um, tiny little part. But it's it's really phenomenal to see people move and move forward and and just challenge themselves and their lives in a completely different way. And it also seems, particularly in our community, that a lot of people stop the negative um, influence or allowing negative influence from others to affect them as much, which is really important. Um, and there seems to be a higher level or a higher degree of them connecting with each other as we should do you know in mm. the sport we should be able to really do well and really have each other's mm. backs which um, which is very important we had a great podcast a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about arena stewards and how essential they are in the sport and i said what's one of the hardest things and they said we often get a lot of abuse in the arena wow but they but they said they realize that it's it has very little to do with them and it has everything to do with the rider's nerves yeah and stress and yeah. i think that really is a symptom of the sport that's yeah you know that we it can be perceived as being a very tricky area of camaraderie mm. but it's it's not about that it's very often Absolutely. this great internalized stress yeah so um you know we were actually talking about this the other day um, with a whole lot of us and we were saying that um 
it's incredible because we, we are our worst when we have to perform, and particularly on a horse, where we're unsure of what could go wrong or if somebody... And if it goes wrong, it can go really wrong, that's right? That's it. That's the... um, and sometimes even from a friendly place, people will say, oh, let's go and do this, let's go. And, and even though it's too much of a stretch for us, we mm. don't say it until we're in it, until mm. we realize that we've actually overstretched our own comfort zone mm. and we've really mm. gone out of it. Um, and then, yeah, and then people do. They get, they get really snappy and really... So it's understandable, but, but what we really want to do is help people, again, as we say, at a different level, have um, that awareness and mm, just how do we bring the best out? Yeah, Ooh. bring the best out of each other mm. rather than um, than the worst, even at a competitive level. Mm. Um, yeah. Are there any safety considerations or cautions for people to to try neurofeedback? Sure. So if um, you suffer really really bad migraines, then the the screen shrinking in and out would be a concern. So you can turn the, that feedback off, and then they don't get that. So okay. so that's really good. Um, similarly with epilepsy, um, again, because of the stimulation, the screen shrinking, going in and out and this, and going black and white, that is also something, but again, you can turn that off. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't need to get that stimulus, which is great. Um, and as you know, in concussion, um, key area of focus for me, but that we, we really careful as, as you bringing the person back into, into seeing how quickly mm. or our aim is to see how quickly mm. we can help them get back into sport and back into play using neurofeedback. So again, obviously mm. you have to be careful. So people are already dizzy, nauseous, and mm. and so again, you turn off um, stimulation for them. Obviously, your thesis is based on concussion in riders, and we were discussing this earlier on. And I can say I've definitely been irresponsible about brain injury. What are some of the considerations for riders having had a concussion? Yeah. that they need to be aware of, Nat? Symptoms, always, always just symptoms. So if the symptoms increase, um, if anything changes, um, that's important for them to go back to their medical doctor. And uh, okay. I'm not a medical doctor, and it's very important for them to go back to their doctor, um, particularly if they can go back to the original doctor that they saw a time of emergency. Um, sometimes that's not always you know, their emergency doctor. Um, but very important for them to monitor their signs mm. and symptoms as they go. So some of these things, but but sometimes concussion only, you know, the, the main effect of it sometimes is aggressive. It's later, so it only comes up a little That's bit later. That's interesting. I didn't know um, that. Yeah, so, so always they need to, to be a little bit more aware of what's going on. So they need to be aware of light sensitivity, nausea, headaches, neck pain, mm. you know, all those things that are, that are normal. So you can Google all the different symptoms. Um, and sometimes people do that too much. <laughs> go yeah, yeah. Dr. Doctors. Google. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, so. I have a brain tumor. That's great. You know, <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and these things are often difficult to diagnose anyway, mm. um, even at that level. So, so generally, when you go in for concussion, um, the doctor will speak to you. If you need to, you go and see, obviously, a neurologist or a neuropsychologist as well. And what they would do is then ask you a series of questions. And, and obviously, you would have already had mm. um, a full workup in the emergency room. Um, or even just with your doctor. So they'll be checking things like reflexes, your eyes, okay. all of that. Um, and so it's very important for the person to monitor themselves and monitor how they're feeling. Mm. Tiredness is often another one that people complain about a lot. Um, so I would say, Georgie, honestly, monitoring, self-monitoring. Um, why aren't we better at regulating it? There are, there are numerous factors that are involved in that. Um, and a lot of them, I have to say, come down to the individual rider and Insistence of getting back exactly, on. Exactly, getting back yeah, on. The problem. So, yeah, so some of this is a little bit of a legacy, you know, okay. um, that the, the legacy of riding. On. Yeah, you know, so it's mm. kind of like if you don't get on now, you, you're going to be too scared to get on again. So a lot of that, and, they, you know, there's probably really good um, sentiment in that. 
but most of us, I think, are are really aware, and most coaches, definitely that I've seen, um, if somebody falls off, they at least are, are you okay? Are you you know can you dizzy? Or you know so there's a, a few fundamental things that they they tend to look at. Um, but a lot of our shows, as you know, have have medical people mm. there, which is fantastic. So medical personnel on hand mm. to help them. But I would say definitely monitor. If you know you've had a concussion, mm. monitor everything. That is there any monitoring that that people can do on a daily basis? Just not concussion related. Related. I'm just talking about to assess our own mental health and wellness. What are some of the key markers to be aware of? Yeah. So um, that's a great question. Thank you, Georgie. So <laughs> I think. <laughs> so I think. Um, I think people need to be aware. You know, they need to be really aware of their concentration span, their focus, their ability to focus, um, how often they get distracted. They really need to become a little bit more aware of the things that we take um, completely for granted and happen at an unconscious level. A lot of these things are key markers and key indicators for our own energy levels, physiological, psychological, emotional. And they also help us understand stress as well. Um, and it's not for a want of not trying, I believe. I think it's we don't know because all these things happen unconsciously for us. So I would say awareness of, of how you feel, how you act, um, how you react to situations is, is very important. Um, so whether you do neurofeedback or not, it's really good to, to kind of turn the microscope in and, and really just um, wonder about self, become a little bit more attentive of, you know, how good I am in these things. How long mm. can I concentrate for? Or if I do this, do I improve my mental performance? Mm. Or if I'm at school and I read more, how much does that improve my ability to comprehend comprehend what the teacher's saying, come, you know, reading is vitally important for oh, personal goals almost. Exactly. So 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 really I would say we would need to be a little bit or become a little bit more aware mm. of of our own thinking. And that's something that we, you know, we never do until it's too late. No, no. <laughs> only, it's only when the house is on fire that we yes. go, oh, bit of a problem. Or you've already said something yeah. that you didn't mean to yeah. say and then you think Exactly. You know, I'm so think sorry. my thinking then, yeah. yeah. So. Um, what, what can, besides neurofeedback, what mm -hmm. are some basic behaviors for good brain health? Yeah. So definitely keeping it active and we've got mm. to think about keeping it active in two ways. So it's not only the logical thinking, you know, um, the things that we could do like, uh, maths, if we haven't done mm. maths for a long time, um, or playing Sudoku or things that are, that really challenge us from a logical perspective, logical thinking, scientific reasoning. Those are, those are really good ways for us to elevate our level mm. of thinking and logical deduction um, and reasoning, which is really cool. But the other side that a lot of us always forget about is our creativity and our ability to play um, and our enthusiasm in life. Um, and that's all a little bit more right hemispheric, but things like art appreciation, music, you know, how much okay. am I involved in that? Mm. How much do I actually appreciate these things? Um, and not only does my brain process them on a subconscious level, how aware am I of my talent in that area? Um, and my ability to play and enjoy things again and be creative. Um, and when people engage in both, both those things, they tend to have a higher level of enjoyment and fulfillment in life. So it's not just about taking a holiday once a year. You know, it's mm. about how do I um, actively at some point every single week engage in both of those practices. So, um, you know, Sudoku play, do a puzzle, build something. That, okay. that requires you to move information around from a logical yeah. perspective um, or, as we said, reasoning and deductive perspective. That's really important. Reading is profoundly important. 
Um, so somebody said, oh, but you don't know how many emails I read. And absolutely, <laughs> it's true. You know, we do. Oh, yeah. So if you spend half your life reading and reading emails and WhatsApp, it doesn't get better at it. Okay. Yeah, oh, but get point. better at it. Mm. You know, if I'm going 100%. to spend... Exactly. So Jim Quick always says, he's marvelous, but he always says, you know, we spend half of our day, essentially, and they've done lots of studies on it's quite interesting, um, of corporate America. And they say that um, they spend a lot of their time reading. So just get better at it. Mm. So it's less time. It's something called, I think, the CEO challenge, which is like a book a week. It's yeah, yeah, books so, every, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And of course, people learn to yeah. sort of convert that quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. YouTube is on yeah. it. But, but the whole point about it is, you know, what am I getting that elevates my thinking? Um, mm. And if you can engage in that in one, you know, once a week only, um, it really tends to increase our satisfaction in life. Um, and we know stuff, you know, so you go to a party mm. and you say, well, I read a book on becoming a violinist and people say, oh, do you play? <laughs> no, I never wanted in my life. But, <laughs> you know, I read yeah. a book on it. Yeah. So it just, it makes us yeah. feel like we have, mm. um, yeah, that'd be more colorful. Richer. Uh, yeah. As in mm. richer. Thank you. Beautiful word. See you better at words mm. than I am. <laughs> but anyway, so really, I'm going to work on that part of my brain. <laughs> so, um, so that's really important for us. But, but then I think a lot of the time as adults, we forget about play. And we forget oh, about creativity yeah. and we forget about our ability to build and imagine and move things around. And like you were saying, it's that holistic brain health that's really interesting. Exactly. Yeah. So I have a lot of people that have gone back into the Rubik's Cube. So one person got it really quickly. They did YouTube it, but yeah. they got it really quickly. And, and then so I said, okay, so what's the next challenge? And he said, I'm going to do it with one hand. So, so it was really a, a one. But, but that's mm. the thing that also makes us feel good, makes us feel happy. Um, a lot of people do it with art, baking, cooking, anything that gets us involved in this beautiful time that you don't want to do anything else. You just want oh. to be fully engaged. And, and certainly writing does engage that. Mm. Um, but it, when we get a fright or when we're worried about things, we tend to shut down and become quite progressive. Mm. Um, the reptilian brain becomes a little bit more present and alive in which we only think about fight, flight, um, and the freeze in between. Mm. Um, and then it's difficult for us to enjoy anything, actually. So, um, you Absolutely. know, whatever people say to us in that moment is probably not really sinking in, no. so not really useful information for us. Um, and that's one of the fundamental things that neurofeedback helps. It helps us be calmer um, in order to understand mm. and assess our, our environment. But as we were saying, play and creativity is important. So anything that you want to do for you that mm. enhances that, whether it's building a puzzle or, I don't know, going to a makeup person mm. and learning how to do makeup or whatever it is that's created There's so many opportunities for creativity nowadays and someone was moaning about their kid making videos for TikTok. I said, that's, I know it's not what we've, we've uh, you know, conceptualized as creativity yes. before. It's still incredibly creative. It's exactly, exactly. an incredible content platform. Yeah. And I think that's, that's also um, really the, the main point, Georgie. It has to be something for you. Mm. Um, but it's if, nice. Yeah. I like that. But if we want to do, you know, if we want to really excel and do well in life, um, not only from a performance and a competitive performance in writing, um, it's very useful for us to have this balance. Um, and, right. and people call it work-life balance. You can call it many, many other things. But for you, what are you engaging in that really fulfills you, you know, mm. that really makes you feel purposeful? There's a lovely uh, thing that says if you're feeling tired, it's not because you've done too much, it's because you've done too little of what really yeah. stimulates yeah. you. Yeah, excites so you and lovely. makes you happy. Yeah. What's coming next for the future of neurofeedback? <gasps> so, um, so, yeah, so the, the field is growing and there's, there's many, many, many different technologies that, um, that are becoming available, which is really interesting. So... Um, there's a lot in AI as well, which is going to be really interesting to see. Um, excuse me, and a lot of that is um, very developmental. So we'll see um, lots of really good universities um, working on that, which is fantastic. 
Um, and then there's a, a whole ambit of, of new things about how the brain perceives things. So there's a lot around light and light work. And there's, mm. so there's interesting. Yeah, there's quite a lot okay. of different things. Light work. Light, yes, okay. actual light. Um, I'll just stare into it. <laughs> I was just thinking <laughs> when I say that. Yeah, yeah. People Let's looking have a disclaimer yes. quickly, thanks. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so there's, there's lots of different things that are happening. Um, there's a lot more also in rest and relaxation and restorative things, which is nice and important for us as well. So there are quite a few protocols that focus exactly on that. So how do we deal with trauma? How do we release trauma? Um, there's um, a beautiful book called The Body Holds the School, Body Keeps the School, oh, sorry. Yes. Um, and in that they actually talk oh. about neurofeedback as well, and he's, he's amazing. And, and it's really interesting to see how do we undo the things that have happened to us in life. And, and not only undo them, how do we not necessarily undo them, maybe that's the incorrect wording, but how do we process this information so that we can move forward in a different way? That's, I actually um, love that you clarified that because the concept, like if we can't undo it, we're ruined. Yes. And it's not that, it's no. how do we process it? Yeah, how do we process it and, and then how mm. do I make sense of it and then how do I move mm. on? Um, and even if the, you know, the sense part isn't really mm. there, it's how do I not, not have it again? So in other words, um, if I fall and I fall a few times in one show, it's already happened. So to go back and relive it and go back and relive it and both, you know, it, yeah, it doesn't really move us forward other than to terrify us more. But if <laughs> I can take the lessons, so it was, it was incredible. I was actually, I learned this the other day from a young girl and, um, and I was actually riding and, um, and I said, oh, you know, how's your week? And she said, oh, it's been, it was great, except I fell. So I said, oh, she said, yeah, and, you know, but that was actually also good. So I said, really? And she's just thinking, first time I've ever heard that. And she said, yeah, because I learned. And, it, and it's incredible, I thought, it's such a young person. Keep that. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what we're aiming for. You know, if, yeah. I, if I learn from either an error that I've made or something, I, I shouldn't just discount it or discredit mm. it. And I, I find a lot of writers do that. Well, you want to keep the good bits. And there's a lovely comment here from Quinn Horsemanship Therapy. I have to share my success story. Natalie helped me to canter without fear. Thank you, oh, Natalie. Such a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Natalie, if people want to find out more about neurofeedback, where can they find information? Okay, so I have a website, which is neuralsynchrony, um, and .co.za, and then they can also email me, and they're welcome to WhatsApp as well. So it's just natalie at neural-synchrony.co.za. We'll um, pop that in the comment section. Yes, thank you. Um, and, and yeah, and that's actually one of the reasons why I chose the name is because that's exactly what we're working on, synchronizing and harmonizing the person with amen. their own brain oh, please amen <laughs> before we dial off is there anything else that you would like to share with anyone no no thank you i think we've covered it all so. we had a really good time we're looking forward to delving more into this topic um i thank think it's you. a really fascinating thing and it's really wonderful to see that there's um there's a little bit of a hack that can help us to <laughs> to master our brains and to really optimize them and influence positively so many other areas of our life. So thank you for coming to share this with us. It's such a pleasure, Georgie. Thank you for having me. And thank you for joining. <laughs> that was our episode 44 on our SAEF podcast from the horse's mouth, where we have discussed how you can train your brain with our neurofeedback expert, Natalie Faree, um, uncovering all sorts of um, interesting issues when it comes to mental aspects of equestrian sport. Please remember to tune in next Wednesday at 7 p.m. We've got some great guests lined up for you over the next couple of weeks, and we're really looking forward to sharing more education here on this platform, which is designed for you, our South African equestrian community. My name is Georgie Roberts, and thank you for joining us.